This week on Ultra 64, we played Battlezone, Rise of the Black Dogs, and I know what you're thinking, but no, it is not related to the Patrick Swayze, Randy Travis truck driver movie Black Dog, and I'm very sorry about that. Welcome to Ultra 64, we are the tank battlingest, real-time strategyingest, shooting Soviets on the mooningest podcast around, in the world, everywhere. My name is Steve Gutley. I am genre hybrid Woody Siskowski. <laughs> Uh, if you're new to our show, uh, each week we go through and play a different game in the Ultra in the Nintendo 64 catalog. Excuse me, I get so up my own ass. I think it's my catalog, <laughs> but no, it's the Nintendo 64 catalog. I have a full collection. We're playing through all of them, and this week we've stumbled on a really weird one. Yeah, they don't get much more different than this, you know. And uh, I, I, every time we come across a title that like I just simply do not recognize, I go in really hoping that we found that elusive like missing gem, yeah. like. I found, I'm hoping that we're finding the one that we get to be like evangelizing in the future. Yeah, like, neither of us had played this game, nor do I think either of us had heard of this game. No, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll withhold judgment for right now. We'll let you guys decide where we landed on this. But uh, this wound up being a very interesting case of... Uh, what's on the floor that's interesting? Nothing. This is me. I'm trying to expel gas from my mouth without doing it into the microphone. Thanks, Steve. And now you were trying to do really, it in a discreet way. I was trying to way. do it very dis- yeah, discreet okay. and classy. And you're like, hey, what are you doing over there, Woody? What are you looking at? I'm like, what's oh. Well, you, I was just like, shit, is there a spider? Like, I don't no, know. Do no, I, to- I just drank a sparkling water and now it's, okay. it's coming up the wrong end. There we go. All right. Well, yeah, there is no this wrong This podcast prevented, presented in Smell-O-Vision. <laughs> Hopefully that is future technology. Anyway, so uh, Battlezone Rise of the Black Dogs. Now, I think the really interesting thing about this game is that it kind of illustrates the big... Well, it illustrates a big gap that I have in my own knowledge, and it illustrates kind of a gulf between gamers in general. So I have a big gap in... PC games. Oh, like, sure. Because you do, even today, this is still kind of true, you tend to fall into the, you're either a PC gamer camp or you're a console gamer. I feel and, like the line is getting more and more blurred. Um, yeah. Because it's easier to have a more expensive, more powerful PC now than it used to be. Right. Um, and computer, or, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, your video game consoles are more just coming like PCs that are set up specifically with an interface for gaming. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, there's less they're less distinct. Yeah. And there's a lot be. of games that are ported between stuff. And it used to be that um you know, there was a style of game that was only on PC. And yeah. I think that might be what you're hinting at. And this this is the type of game that you would see more of on PC. Yeah, you know? this it's a real-time strategy game. It's kind of a strange hybrid between a first-person shooter and a real-time strategy game, yes. which is uh, very interesting, but it... So, like, RTS yeah, that's games, probably a reason that neither of us knew of this game, because I right. think it was kind of more well-known and more successful on the PC, and I don't think either either of us were <coughs> PC gamers at no. this time. No, we weren't, yeah, because... Uh, it was very, very expensive to try and get a, a, lap, a PC back in the day that could handle a game like this. Yeah. So let's go into a little bit of the history of this game. This is a port of a game just called Battlezone. Uh, fans today call it Battlezone 98. And, the and reason, I say fans yeah. today because there are fans today. Like this one has, 
endured. Like it still has a community and it was kind of a big deal when it came out. Um, but I'd literally never heard of this game before. I didn't know it was I well, I'd heard of it when I bought this sure. game at the store, but I didn't think about it. I was uh, like, oh, do I have that on my list? No, I'll grab when it. When you told me that we were playing this game, I thought it was a different game because there is very confusingly two other games for the Nintendo 64 that feature tanks called mm. Battle Tanks. Yes. And you're like, is this Battle Tanks the tank game or Battle Zone the tank game? Yes, And exactly. they're not actually related. I don't even think they're by the same company. So no, that's not very related confusing. at all, uh, other than just the fact that they have tanks. The reason that this game on the PC would be known as Battle Zone 98 is because it's, a, it's part of the franchise of Battle Zone. Yes. Which was an arcade game from very early from early 80s from uh 1980 uh that original arcade game came out uh so it was released by atari and it was actually kind of groundbreaking for its time because it used vector graphics uh which if you're not familiar with the term it's like wireframe it's black and white wireframe giving the illusion of 3d characters so they would use it in games like tempest and star wars and and battlezone was one of the first ones to actually use it and it also Arcade cabinets of this came equipped with a visor, so like you would stick your face in the visor. So it was kind of a sort of precursor to like VR technology. At least gave that sort of you're in a tank feel, right? Which is cool. And so, it was just a straightforward like deathmatch kind of tank shooter. You yep. move real slow and you shoot each other with bullets, and that's about it. But it, it worked fine and it was fun. It's uh, I don't think it's really remembered in the pantheon, you know, of like great classic arcade games, uh, but it, it was perfectly fine. It was popular for its time. It's one of the nicest looking games for the Atari 2600. Yes. I have it for the 2600. It's very bright and colorful. Yeah, and, and it, it works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of the Bradley Trainer? No. This is an interesting story. So uh, according, I, re- I found this blog called The Ultimate History of Video Games, and they were talking about... Uh, the U.S. military approached Atari uh, because they were really impressed with the game Battle Zone, and they wanted to adapt the technology to help train their pilots for the Bradley tank. Okay. Uh, so the developers agreed, and they worked on a prototype. They made only two cartridges. One of them was delivered to the military for use, and the other one, I don't know what happened to it, but it was discovered in a dumpster uh, behind Midway, and so there's a lucky son of a bitch out there named Scott Evans who just happened to find it in that dumpster. So now he's the only person with a working copy of this. Uh, nobody knows what happened to the one that went to the military. Uh, it's not on the record if it was ever used for anything. It's in the, it's in the, the nuclear briefcase. There's the codes yeah. in one of them. And it's like, in the football. We, we need to train people. We need to train people on this tank. Quick, yeah. boot up the 2600. <laughs> uh, and I mean, for, from what I can tell, it wasn't all that different. The controls were just kind of adapted to operate like a gunner seat in a bradley tank and but i mean even when they would boot up the cartridge it would still say battle zone on there huh. uh so there was no signal if it ever worked or not but the developer used the controls that he changed for this and built it into the star wars arcade game which came out a couple years later which is so, a wonderful game which is a great game yeah that one really holds up so i thought that was interesting it's like you always hear rumors about the military wanting to use video games as like a training tool or something like that. But I believe there's really an weird. actual, there's like a, uh, there was a hunting game peripheral for the Super Nintendo that just looks like an assault rifle oh, God. that I believe was uh, designed for the military as okay. well. I believe um, it. But, yeah. What, what do you think, um, this is the first tank game we've encountered. I feel like the tank game is a fairly small 
genre in the in the in the world of video games or subgenre. I guess it's yeah. sort of an offshoot of the car combat game, which we pooped on during our Vigilante Eight episode. Yeah, I I have more of a stomach for tank fighting games. I do too. It, they tend to be a little bit more. They're they're a little slower paced, so a little more strategic. Mm-hmm. And you're f- driving something that is meant to have guns on it, and it tends to be less like overtly stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I it, yeah. I mean, my problem with the car combat games is you're driving fast and trying to shoot at people. Right. Whereas this, you can focus a little more on aiming. There's a little more um, exciting weaponry. Um, yeah, I feel like the most exciting tank game is Combat for the Atari 2600, which was a launch game for it, which is one of the more fun Atari 2600 yeah. games. And uh, fun fact, it is tied with uh, the Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt cartridge as the most common video game of all time. Mm, that's it's what happens everywhere. with these, those pack-in <laughs> they games. They give them yeah. away for free. Yeah, you can if you want a copy of Combat, you can have one. I think I remember buying an Atari 2600 on eBay once, and it came with a little like case full of games, and like six of them were Combat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just like, shit, what am I going to do It's very confusing, combat? though, because a lot of the labels on Atari 2600 games are different. Yeah. Like, there, you'll have like three different labels for the game Combat, and uh-huh. it's, yeah. you're like, is this, what version should I keep? The, the, con- the idea of... Like, I used to try and collect Atari 2600 games, but it very quickly became way too much for me. Yeah. I'm like, these are these are very sloppy. There's a million different versions of everything. Some of these are impossible to find. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ridiculously expensive. And it's not that much fun. It's not that much fun. You get a good 30 seconds of enjoyment out of an Atari game at most. Yeah. And I feel like combat, you probably get double or triple that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one of the best games on the systems. There's a handful you could play. You could play, I could play Empire Strikes Back for a little bit. I don't know I if I've play. ever played that one. It's fun. It's just the uh, the AT-AT battle on Hoth. I'm that's a all it is. huge fan of the paddle controllers on the Atari 2600. Oh, like Arkanoid? I, our, yeah. uh, Warlords, Warlords is a yeah. wonderful game. Um, just because I love, I love how small it is and how precise the movements are. Yeah, like Video Olympics is a lot of fun. Um, this is yeah. So uh, join us next week when this podcast switches to only Atari Twenty Six Hundred, playing through the whole catalog. Uh, I feel like it's going to be have minute long year. episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, yes. welcome to our podcast. Welcome to the Kaboom episode. This is the Mad Bomber. You catch his bombs. It was we, all right. We we did it. Yep. Yeah. So how are you? <laughs> so yeah. Battle Zone: Rise of the Black Dogs has a mm-hmm. little more depth to it than Kaboom. Uh, okay. slightly. So I looked up the manual online, uh, and it's forty pages. Holy smokes! Which is like pretty hefty for a Nintendo sixty four game, which yeah. average around like ten or fifteen. Uh, yeah. There's a lot to absorb here, and I feel like. Playing this for an hour, like we always play the games for about an hour, and I feel like there's no way we could master the learning curve of this game in that amount of time. No, I agree. I mean, as you would expect from a game that has these sort of real-time complicated mechanics, um, but shoehorned into the Nintendo 64, it's not going to be very intuitive. No. You're driving around in the tank, and but you have to use this, the D-pad to sort of issue commands and generate new units. Yes. Um, and it's hard to tell what confirms and issues the commands and whether it went through successfully. Um, it's, so. let, let's back yeah. up a little bit. We'll get some details about okay. the game itself. So Battlezone Rise of the Black Dogs released March 30th, 2000, so a later game. Uh, this was published by Crave and developed by Climax Development. So this version was exclusive to Nintendo 64, but it is a port, like we said, of a PC game that was developed by Activision. Uh, so Crave, we've met a few times before. Milo's Astro Lanes, Fighting Force, you know, they're 
awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll <laughs> two be, for two right there. We'll be bumping into them a few times <laughs> on this. Uh, Climax Development was the company that was responsible for porting other PC games like Warcraft and Diablo over to uh, home consoles. Um, was a home version of Warcraft? Yeah, Warcraft 1 and 2 both appeared on the PlayStation. Oh. Yeah, they did both of those, and they did Diablo. Uh, did they, they did they Starcraft made a, and then 64? No, they didn't, oh. weirdly. Yeah. Uh they made a mildly popular Warcraft MMO like around this time, uh, and then they tried to launch a new franchise. Do you remember the uh, Xbox game Sudikai? S U D E K I. No. It, you might recognize if you saw the cover. It's like a generic fairy princess warrior like thing. I don't know. They were trying to launch this action RPG franchise. It didn't take off. They they you said that they released a small Warcraft MMO. Well, no, I not feel like small, I might have like, heard uh, of this. Mildly popular, yeah. It's just but Warcraft. Th- but yeah. not World of Warcraft? Not War... I'm sorry, Warhammer. Oh, Warhammer. okay. Warhammer, I like, I've only heard of one Warcraft MMO, That's Steve, true. and I wouldn't call it mildly That's successful. That's not mildly popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. one or two people play this game. Ap- <laughs> Apologies. Warhammer. Okay. Warhammer. I, I, I was reading too many war things. Yeah. Uh, so after that, after Sudokai didn't really take off, they uh, entered a partnership with Konami, and they're producing Silent Hill spinoffs. So they did Silent Hill Origins, and then they did the actually really good Wii version of Silent Hill called uh, Shattered Memories, uh, which was really cool. I liked that game a lot because there's no combat. You just have to run from everything, mm-hmm. and it uses the controller in some really innovative ways. So, like, the phone rings, and you have to, like, put your controller down and then pick it up and speak <laughs> into it. Like, it does some cool shit like that. Uh, so, like, most of these companies that we've talked about that are still around somehow, this company, uh, they're only focusing on VR games right now. So we'll likely never hear from them again unless i decide to really get on the vr train which i really haven't been every every, every 10 years vr comes around and it's going to be the new hot thing and yeah. then it goes away and yeah. 10 years comes back it's like 3d movies they're like yeah. finally the technology is here to make it work and people do it and they're like this is still kind of sucks i i am very relieved the 3d movies are basically they just kind of quietly limped out of theaters and you know you get like yeah. maybe one screening now as opposed to half of them that's true that really so, was the worst it was terrible yeah um anyway so yeah like we said this is a combination rts and fps uh well let's go over the so how does, story let's go over the game. story all right so this is like an alternate history 1960s um takes place towards the end of the cold war and um the u.s troops are now called the national space defense force or nsdf uh and it's you start the game on the moon uh and uh basically the u.s troops and the soviet troops are in this constant battle for this material called biometal mm-hmm. uh biometal was produced it's by what, this mysterious alien race called the chthonians which were like what they make the transmetals out of yes <laughs> for they start with uh they start with biometals and they melt them down and they turn into transmetals many make, people died in the beast make, battle, make a so different it. shitty game yes. and, then, and then they come back i don't we'll, we'll probably learn along the way what the third form of the biometal is <coughs> and yeah, i, sure I really like i'm really harvest. a big fan of sort of like the premise of like government conspiracies in the 60s um like um you know the fake moon landing and stuff retro like that. future kind of yeah stuff, and yeah. i i like the idea of this taking it even further of not only not only did they keep the moon landing a secret from people they created a giant army on the moon yeah. that are now battling the soviets for control over this metal on the moon yeah and uh the metal is what's is what they use to build their tanks. Uh, so that's why you have flying tanks on the moon in 1969. It's 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 uh, I don't know. It speaks sadly to like the uh, 
pointlessness of war when you're like, we need this metal. We got to use it to build the tanks. and So, <laughs> so like, we can keep getting more metal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So keep building more tanks. Yeah, so you just basically you blow the crap out of Soviets and you're always fighting each other. Uh, we learned or a little bit play, about the Or you can play as you the play Soviets, as Soviets and blow the crap out of Americans. Sure, yeah, whichever you prefer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Chthonian race, like, apparently they influenced all of Greek mythology. Like, they were the basis of Greek gods. Nice. Uh, which we don't get into in our playthrough, but yeah, I read. Yeah, there was a little bit yeah. of there was a little bit of voice acting right in the middle beginning of the mission mode, but most of it's just explained through text. Right, which yeah. is too bad. I feel like the presentation is where this game really lacks, and it's kind of what this game needs. Because yeah, I think so. You want to set up the story of why you're doing what you're doing, and to just drive. You know, most of these first levels are just taking place on the moon, so. The ground is just solid gray. Yeah. The sky is black with a very static thing of stars over it. and it Yeah, it's true. The stars don't yeah, twinkle. Yeah, they don't twinkle. They don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the presentation was lacking a little bit. So uh, you get, like you said, you get to play as one of three campaigns. You can be the U.S., you can be the Soviets, or you can be the Black Dogs, the titular things that rise. Yep. Oh, God, that's the title of the sex tape. Okay, never mind. Um, so, yeah, the Black Dogs are basically like an international group of, like, mercenaries. that They're sent in, like, for the worst of the worst missions. So, accordingly, these are the hardest missions to play. If you want to be the Black Dogs, it's, like, hard mode. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they were originally introduced in one of the expansion packs for the original Battlezone okay. game, and now they get their own. Yeah, and there's essentially three different campaigns. Um, the original Battlezone came out the same year as StarCraft. Um, yes. Which is, you know, kind of a big deal in terms of real-time strategy stuff. Um, yes. And just like that game where there's three different races and they all have a different campaign, this game has that as well. Yeah, yeah. And I would say it's less elegantly implemented if this is uh, any basis because they are basically just the same missions. It's just from a slightly different perspective each time. <laughs> in an amazing twist, Battlezone, not as good as StarCraft. <laughs> Stop the presses. Yeah. I'm an old-timey newsman. Yeah. Uh, so the main three main single-player modes that you get in this are Arcade, Pilot, and Commander. And it's basically just a matter of scaling complexity. Mm-hmm. Which right, is so, well thought out. Yeah, like Arcade idea. mode is just fly around in your tanks, shoot the shit out of everything. Yeah. That's all you got to worry about. Fine, functional. It's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, pilot mode, they're adding a layer of complexity. You're getting the plot a little bit now. And uh, you just don't have to worry about resource management or anything like that. But you are getting missions and specific objectives. Yeah, there's no, there's not the tactical aspect of like you don't command your units to follow you. You don't build new units. They'll yeah. just the unit will already be built, and they'll like follow and protect this unit, and that's your mission. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to do more of the complex stuff, then you go to the third mode, which is commander mode. Uh, this is the mode that I think is the most promising and the most interesting, but also the most confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So we. We were struggling a little bit trying to figure out the interface. And this is something I will give the... I'll I'll give the developers a little leeway on this because RTS games are notoriously difficult to pull off on home consoles. Mm -hmm. It's just your your controller is very limited and you have to do a lot with a little. Uh, And I think they're doing the best they can with this weird-ass controller on this weird-ass system that probably shouldn't have a game this complex on it it's this game um i'm gonna i'm gonna pull one of my favorite um pretentious video game references um this game reminds me a lot of herzog ziwi for this <laughs> Herzog's vi oh yeah. thank you yes. thank you for correcting yes. me oh no i'm not gonna be out pretentious <laughs> oh, yeah. Here, this is <laughs> yeah this is my realm i'm not gonna be out pretentious in my own home um, how dare her, you sir herzog's, i slap you with my velveteen glove yeah. herzog's why yeah 
um, uh, the Gen yeah, number Genesis, two. Yeah. Gen- Genesis game, um, where it's kind of, I feel like it has a very similar mechanic of you're, you're simultaneously piloting a thing, and that's what dictates where you can place new units. Yeah. And so you're sort of multitasking of trying to make your unit that you're piloting do stuff, well as also keeping track of what's going on with yeah. these other units. Yeah, and, you know, so the first mission they ask you to go to the recycler and create a scavenger, which is the the unit that you use to collect biometal. Mm-hmm. So, and that's fairly easy. We, it took a little bit of a tinkering around to figure out, but once we figured out which building was the recycler, we could go to that high... That's the deep to select build. And then we built a scavenger with it. And I'm guessing, my prediction is that in later levels, they'll be like, oh, these wave of enemies are attacking, like, build turrets to defend yourself, which right. actually seems like it could be pretty exciting. It could be. In terms of tower defense type of thing. But again, you, it takes a little time to get used to these controls and to get fluent with it. I will say the driving mechanics I picked up pretty quickly, and I actually enjoyed it. Once you adjust to the speed of it, it plays kind of like Turok in the sense that, like, you're controlling with the C movement buttons. with the C buttons and then you're aiming with the joystick. Which, yeah, even though it's, like, a tank game, I yeah. don't feel like it really controls, like, a tank. You're you're going pretty fast. You're going pretty fast. You can turn in all directions. You don't have to, like, rotate your treads. Yeah. To... And it takes a little bit of strategy. Like, you can't just go barreling everywhere because if you go off too steep of a cliff, you're going to take damage when you hit the ground. But you have these little jump thrusters so you can modulate your landing a little bit. So it takes a little bit of that, and uh, once you get used to that and the quick turning and everything, it's pretty responsive, and combat was pretty fun, actually, I thought. Yeah. Like, just running around shooting things. And once your tank is destroyed, your your little pilot guy gets knocked out into the air, and you can go get in another vehicle, in theory, and except we never found another vehicle to actually get in. Exactly. It's- and the little guy... Looks like one of those really old dog turds, you know, like that get left out in the sun for a long time. They're all baked white. That's what he yeah, looks like. Yeah, he's just a square silver thing. It yeah. took me a long time to figure out he was supposed to be a guy. I think, yeah, I think it's going for like the 1960s spaceman astronaut uniform or something, but he looks awkward. He controls very stiffly. And the camera keeps going, so you're looking straight down at him and you can't tell where you're going. It's also not super clear when you're about to be ejected from your ship so you get like a second chance you know if your tank blows up you eject and then you land and you can find your way to another tank or hopefully i would i would assume make and make another item yeah i think you can make yeah in commander mode i think you can walk around so slow that it's kind of a hassle and you just basically get like a little stun gun like it's a little pop gun and you're not really gonna do much damage to anything on that but whatever uh let's move on to multiplayer a little bit because i feel like this is where it fell apart a lot for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, we were like, oh, this game has some interesting potential. But uh, again, the interesting thing with this, it's like you can't you can't judge a game entirely on its multiplayer unless that's its whole gimmick. And I don't think that's the whole gimmick here. It's kind of like Star Fox. Star Fox yeah. has some terrible multiplayer, but you can ignore it completely and still get a lot out of the, the game. I'm sure that the multiplayer works quite well on PC Yeah, when you're... Um, there's probably I'm sure there's many more modes and user created content on PC or you're oh, yeah. playing with someone else who has access to their own computer so you're not doing the split screen thing and um, because the multiplayer doesn't do a good job of integrating the strategy aspects of this game at all yeah um, so yeah there's three modes there's the arcade mode basically the deathmatch deathmatch where you can play up to four players and you just go around and blast people um, which sounds okay in theory 
except the fog is just horrendous. We we get a good, you know, a lot of the times the problems we get with games like this with multiplayer is you get a real drop in frame rate. And you don't have that here, but you do have real nasty fog. You, uh, we, we played on Venus, and Steve commented <laughs> that this is probably a lot like what it is flying around on a tank on Venus. You Venus can't see anything. full of poisonous gas, yeah. you know, yeah. So it's accurate. Uh, it's the best Venus simulator we have. But it also, you know, is just not a lot of fun to play. You don't know... And you don't have a radar in multiplayer for yeah, some reason, too. Yeah, which is very odd. Which is very strange. So you don't really know you're running into anybody until you run into them. You can see the little cursor indicating where they are. You could drive towards it, but it doesn't accurately gauge how far they are. And then just like Vigilante A, you just stand there and blast yeah. your lasers into them. Uh, it's so, not super interesting. Then there's a no. race mode, which race was mode, very baffling. Pointless. Pointless. Okay, so I didn't get what was happening exactly because... There's no track. There's just a waypoint, and they say drive to this. You just yeah, you're like okay, I guess waypoint. we'll drive to this waypoint. And you can, tr- you know, one person starts out like way ahead of the other person. So I guess the the edge there is that the person in the back can shoot you. Yeah, and I guess you would respawn, and then I could pull ahead of you. But it's like there's no yeah. since there's no track, and your thing your vehicle hovers. You just kind of go wherever you want over yeah. mountains and follow the other person. And if you both have the same vehicle, you're never going to catch up. I did just come up with a great idea. I think you could adapt this and have a great idea for, like, a new multiplayer sensation game. Okay. You get, like, it's a racing game. It's like a foot race. And one person gets, like, really high speed stats. And everyone else is kind of average to low, but they all get guns. Okay. So you're just supposed to – it's more, It's less about winning and more about taking down the really fast person. And then if you front. shoot the fast person, do you get the, do you get to go fast? And I then other people have fair. to chase yeah, after you? That's only fair. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. This is Shadow the Hedgehog Racing we're talking about. This, is, uh, this sounds great. But it sounds a lot better than this than this mode. Yeah, yeah. no, this it, this was bad. It yeah, was just really bad. Was the very the third mode here was strategy mode, which, again, we got kind of excited about. It's like, okay, so this is kind of an adaptation of the RTS elements. And no, no, that's not what this is. It's basically just the same as Deathmatch, but you get to pick a couple more vehicles that also drive around with you. Yeah, and they're supposed to be like your squad, and they follow you, but you don't really have any control over them, and the AI's pretty bad, so like they're just kind of target practice. And yeah, it, it was just pointless, yeah, so... There was this game offers little in multiplayer. There's I feel like the N64 was a system because so many of its big games like Mario Kart and Goldeneye, the multiplayer was so integral and because it was sort of the first major system that had the four controller ports, right? right people are like, "Oh, every game needs multiplayer." Yeah. And like it was a big part, but like it really got shoehorned into stuff and so it feels pretty shoehorned and weak in this game. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's really strange. It's an odd game. It's very ambitious, I think. Uh, I, th- I think it's impressive that they tried to pull this off. It's not entirely successful, but I could see getting some enjoyment out of this. Like, the, the presentation is lacking. You pointed that out. Like, the music is very, very tinny. Like, yeah. it sounds like it's kind of going for this epic, like, Marco Beltrami kind of Terminator theme music, but it's just filtered through, like, a meaty whatever you call it i don't know it just sounds very tinny and yeah it, it, i would be curious to see the pc pc game P, PC, yeah. pc game the P, pc game um, so glad i have this pup filter yeah yes um uh, because you know might, might play better i felt like most of the weaknesses of this game a lot of it had a lot of good ideas but the presentation sucks 
um, and the controls are very confusing. Yeah. In term, and so if I feel like if I was working with a keyboard, a lot of that might be more intuitive. And I'm guessing that it's been patched. And like you said, there's still an audience for this game. So well, yeah, might let's be like, let's talk about the original PC game here okay. because it's had kind of an interesting journey. So it came out in 1998, as we said, and uh, it instant critical hit. Like uh, critics really loved it, and they gushed about it. Uh, but it didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't even like a financial failure. It just this was one of the most oversaturated years on the market yeah. you can imagine. It was just a small sample of some of the games that came out on PC this year. This is we 1998. Have, this right? is 1998. Okay. <clears throat> They're competing with Age of Empires, Axis and Allies, Rainbow Six, Dune 2000, uh, the aforementioned Starcraft, yeah. Baldur's Gate, Grim Fandango, Fallout 2, Descent, Star, she- Star Siege Tribes, Unreal, Thief. And a little game called Half Life, yeah. which kind of uh, was a seismic hit, unlike anything else had that had been seen before. Yeah, I mean, if if you have Half Life and Starcraft come out in the same year, like no other game is going to have much of an impact. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. This game is a worse shooter than Half Life and a worse RTS than Starcraft. It's true. So. Yeah, there's no way around it. But it still somehow found its audience, and I think critics partially held with that. I think uh, GameSpot gave it an award for uh, best game no one played. Uh, the year this came out and nominated it for best graphics and best action game and uh, Computer World Magazine named uh, named it the best action game of the year and was a runner up for game of the year just behind Half-Life hmm. uh, so wait what is Half-Life if Half-Life's not an action game well no it, it was I don't know actually yeah that's a good <laughs> point but yeah they said bet, yeah maybe Adventure you should write them a letter. Hey guys, I was researching this article your article twenty years ago, nineteen ninety eight. I just want to point out a little inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, but it it found an audience. Like, there's a very small but very devoted group to it. There's a really detailed wiki all about Battlezone ninety eight. Uh, in two thousand sixteen, this was remade. Uh, it's got it got an HD remake just called uh, Battlezone Redux. It's on Steam right now. Uh, got great reviews. Plays really well. And uh, the community is still alive. It's been being patched and like upgraded to this day. And there's like a very the multiplayer is a big component of it. So I guess uh, I guess that's the takeaway from this is if the idea of this sort of driving around in a tank while also sort of building up your defense and making new units is appealing to you, yeah. And check out Battlezone Redux. Yeah. But you probably don't want to play it on Nintendo 64. No, right? probably not. And but I will say this game really made me want to play the main game play play the pc game a little bit because i feel like the mechanics here are very interesting uh they gave it a lot of praise like all the critics at the time gave a lot of praise for its interface and for its like there's no way this kind of hybrid should work but it really does and uh i mean i I feel like i agree with that but rise of the black dogs got some very poor reviews at the time since uh i think people were expecting like a straight up port of the game and this was just kind of an adaptation with different graphics and different mechanics and things like that uh, IGN, I have called it a new low, even in a post-Superman N64 world. Oh, wow. And they gave it a 3.9, which is only slightly higher than the 3.4 they gave Superman, Ooh, which okay. uh, I can't agree with. I I'm can't gonna agree I'm going to have with. to re- yeah, re-think I put that on now. my list. I, I feel like this is one of those odd games, kind of like Hybrid Heaven, mm-hmm. where I don't quite have a full understanding of what it is in the hour we played, so yeah. I want to cut it more slack. As Same. to, like, maybe it'll be better later. Yeah, there, there are a few games like that. I feel like uh, uh, the Castlevania yeah. games were like that a little bit as well. Like, I, you know, I, I feel like there's more... It's going to take more than just a little bit of time to get into this. 
So yeah, I would agree with that. Um, do you want to move on to our rankings here? You think uh, we, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about Battlezone. It's, yeah, it's uh, let's 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 jump into it. So uh, each week we add the new games to our rankings. This will be our sixtieth game. Uh, that we've played so far, so that's pretty impressive. Ooh, um, only a couple more episodes to game number. What game? There'll be a. There'll probably be a while where uh, Beast Force Transmetals is in the coveted sixty-four spot. Oh God! Oh no! All right. Uh, well, let's. Yeah. That, I, unless we play something worse than that in between here and there, which uh, looking ahead, I don't think so. But I don't know. You never know. All right. So for me, um, I think I've changed my mind a little bit, even mm-hmm. since I first decided on the list. I'm going to bump it down a little bit. This is going to be my new number 26. So that puts it between Tetrisphere above and Star Wars Episode One Racer below. Um, again, I was very intrigued by the ambition of this game. I think it's it's not quite the uh, cult classic, you know, hidden gem that I was hoping it would be, but it's also not completely disposable, you know. There was some... It comes frustratingly close to being great. Uh but I think it, it is held back by the technology. It's held back by a couple of weird design flaws. It was a little glitchy, like uh, the ground blinks out from under you a little bit. Voice and acting would go a long way in this game. Voice acting would go a long, long way. There's to be snippets, able to explain but, uh, what was going on story-wise and go over the tutorial. Yeah. There's a tiny bit of voice. Yeah, tiny bit of voice acting. But if there was more, it would really help. Yeah. Well, that's where I'm putting that. So, yeah, 26. Yeah, we're about the same place. Um mm-hmm. I am also kind of tempted to lower mine, but I don't want to look at the list again. So, um, yeah, I put in number 25, okay. um, which is right under Mario Party. Yep, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not crazy about Mario Party, but you're definitely going to have more fun playing Mario Party yeah, than definitely. you are playing this game. On a multiplayer um, level, yes. A thousand to times better. Um, this game is more of a strange curio um, yeah. where I could I could see myself getting into it at the time. Yeah, you know, and you just feel like, I wonder if just like if they had a different developer other than Crave, like if they just had somebody a little better to put a little more polish and a little more care into it, I think this could be potentially really great. Uh, and to, to a degree, I'm intrigued by this and I kind of want to dig into it a little further. So I think that's that's a symbol that it should be like, it's not bottom of the barrel. Even yeah. It's, it's not flaws. openly like, as terrible as some of the other stuff. I want to keep trying. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Unlike other games that just make me never want to see it again. Well, awesome. Uh, we have a letter this week, Hooray! which I'm uh, very excited about as always. So remember, you can always write into us at uh, ultra64podcast at gmail.com. We always love having your letters. We do. It's, we run out of stuff to talk about when we just have to talk about battle zones. It's a delight. And uh, all right, so here is this week's letter. Hey, Stephen Woody. Hey. I was just listening to your episode about football, and I have to say I couldn't agree with Steve more when it comes Ooh. to people talking about sports. I really cannot stand it when people start talking about football especially. My wife is the same way, so it was amazing when we moved to Asheville, North Carolina a while ago and found that there was an entire city that feels the same way. <laughs> I've noticed especially when I'm at work, or if someone puts either sports on the break room TV or starts talking about sports, they immediately get the side eye from everyone else around. <laughs> I guess it might sound like I'm bragging about the old school hippie town that I live in, and I guess I am, but I just wanted to let you know that we all feel your pain and we welcome you. Come on <laughs> down at any time. We can hate on sports together over beer. 
Thanks for the awesome podcast and keep up the good work. That's from Michael Giordano. Thank you very oh, much, thank Michael. You, Michael. I've I've been to Asheville. Uh, Nicole's grandma lives there, uh, and Nicole's favorite podcaster also lives there. I am which not is her also no, which is also Nicole's grandma. <laughs> yes, the grandma cast. <laughs> yeah, she's she's her grandma's the no meat athlete. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, but. Uh, no, Asheville's a cool little town. It is kind of like it's very much like Bellingham, where we live, just on the other it's coast. Definitely shattered my perceptions of what I think of when I think of North Carolina. No, no, Asheville's yeah. dope. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really relaxed and very cool. And uh, I am glad to hear support on this too, because I was actually really worried letting that football episode out into the world because I'm like, this is a very angry episode and I come off like kind of a dick on this. So, so well, I have a question. I want to, I want to talk about this a little more. Yeah. Um, what, like. What do you think people should talk about in small talk besides sports? Like, I get why it might make you mad and that's yeah. not something you're interested in, but I would certainly rather talk about sports and small talk than politics. I agree with that, um, but I would rather talk about, like, movies or okay. TV over both of those. Like, I think movies are the great leveler because not everybody's watching the same TV shows, but it's more likely people are seeing the same movies. Okay. So I, I don't know. I feel like that's a better leveler. And again, I'm not trying to tell people they can't talk no. about sports. I'm not trying to do that. You know, and I, if it's bringing you happiness and joy, and especially with everything that's going on in the world right now, you know what? Cling to that. Enjoy it. I I'm just, just explaining where I'm coming from. Oh, yeah. I just mean as reaction. someone who is never – small talk has never been their, small, their strong point. Um, I'm much better when we're – you know, talking about some tank game from 1998. The big that's, issues. Yeah, the yeah. big issues. Yeah, uh, that's a little more my jam. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel like that's what sports can do, and I I feel guilty only bringing up movies yeah. in conversation sometimes. See, I don't know, and I never feel terribly bad about it. But, um, you know, and sometimes you get people who, who get the same thing. They glaze over when you're talking about movies, and it's like, all right, all right. I feel you like you need at least... Talk about I don't know. I feel like you need three, three topics in your pocket. Yes. And yeah, so movies. I guess mm-hmm. movies. I can do. I can do sports. I can do movies, sports. Oh, weather makes me feel so old. That's true. Like that's uh, true. Like uh, as soon as someone brings it up with me, I'm like, oh, yeah. Talk about depth. We're of having pockets. having this conversation. Yeah. Cooking is not a bad one. Where you're like, oh, cooking's what, not bad. What you have, and they tell you about this cool recipe they made, or uh, yeah, rest, maybe local restaurants. Restaurants, yeah, a good one. Okay, that's a good way. Travel if you travel much, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, talk about travel. Yeah, you know. There are ways around it. Okay. There are ways all right, around good. it. Good. I'm glad. Or you I'm could just skip it all, go to Asheville, and have some beer. So thank you again, Michael, for that letter. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's so, a great letter. Um, I will look you up next time I'm out in Nashville because uh, that's a great little town. I'm sure we'll be back eventually. That has been the show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can find us at ultra64podcast.com. You can find the full list of our rankings on there. We meticulously keep that up every week. You can email us. You can hit me up on Twitter at ultra64podcast.com. Um, it's not a .com there. It's just at ultra64podcast. I'm always there. And uh, you know what? If you're using iTunes, why don't you drop on there and give us a rating and a review? We always love that. We love seeing the reviews from people. And, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'll read some of those on here one of these days. You can read mine. I left a review. You left a review on there. One star. Yes. Steve sucks. Kick him off the show. <laughs> Woody rules. Yeah. Steve drools. Yeah, exactly. We want uh, we want the Woody hour where he <laughs> talks about uh, we want the chameleon twist cast. Ap- apropos of nothing, uh, I'm sure you get this all the time. Have you played the game Wild Woody? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, There's a yeah. Sega CD game where you play as a pencil. A pencil that shakes his little butt and erases stuff. Yeah. 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 It's, it's I just figured that'd be right up your alley. Anyway, uh, tune in next week because uh, you know what we're playing? Uh, I forgot already. We'll, we're closing out the cues. Does that give you a hint? 
Uh, well, we already played Quest 64. We're playing so. it again. <laughs> no. Um, Quantum of Solace. They We're made the it. game. They made Several the game. Several years before the movie Decades came out. before the movie. It's pretty, like, pretty prescient. Yeah. 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 No, we're playing Quake and Quake oh, 2. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Paraquakes. Yeah, we're staying, uh, we're staying in our first-person shooter mode here, So, but we're getting dark and gritty with it. Ooh. We're getting closer to God, as Nine Inch Nails would have you say in that game. Uh, anyway, I'm excited to get into that one. Thank you very much. Tune in next week for some Quake. All right, zone out, everyone. Battle, battle zone out. Battle zone out. Get those black dogs. Raise them up. Raise them up. All right. I don't know. I got nothing. Words mean nothing. Everything's pointless. Bye, everyone. Bye.